Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander, the crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet, all hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Well, I guess that's me. Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem, America. Today, in the What's Hot Spotlight, we're joined by multi-platinum and Grammy-nominated saxophonist and flautist, Najee, and multi-talented entrepreneur, Allison Williams, the first female R&B artist signed to Def Jam by Russell Simmons. Najee's new album is Savoy Fair. I think I pronounced that correctly, Savoy Fair. Uh, where Allison Williams collaborates with him to make Valentine love. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say that Najee and Allison Williams are what's hot. Hi, guys. Hey, G. Oh, G. <laughs> OG. How you doing? What's your name, man? OG. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, so Najee has been uh, a long time since you and I have see- seen each other. Well, actually, uh, it's been... Well, I think your first album, and yep. uh, we, we were on the McCrary Report at Fox. And, uh, of course, I saw you on stage uh, the other night giving Allison a wonderful award. Yes. So, Allison, thank you for coming. And uh, the award that you got was from what organization? Oh, the New York City Musicians Collective uh, awarded me with this wonderful, the Valerie Simpson Shining Light Award. If you can see, if you can see, <laughs> and I was uh, honored to have it. And um, they surprised me uh, some kind of way. They got together and figured it'd be great if Najee would come and be a presenter and present me with the award. Totally freaked me out. Had no idea what was happening. Been talking back and forth as we always do. Nothing, never had a clue. <laughs> never had a clue. And it's hard to do that to me. I'm not, I'm the one who does stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's kind of how I operate in magic and shadows and smoke and things. Yeah, but well, uh, it, they got me it, and they got me good. I, I really had a, I had an out-of-body experience. It was like, they said, this next, um, you know, uh, award nominee is this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. We have a special friend who's come to uh, present. And they said, Najee. And I was like, Uh, wow well hey that was beautiful beautiful uh uh speech that you gave beautiful acceptance speech so guys uh let us do what i normally do with my uh, wonderful special guests Uh, we ask them to take the wayback machine with me so uh najee why don't we start with you what was it like growing up as little najee Little Najee, I don't yeah. remember never Little Najee, but uh, <laughs> but you know, growing up in New York City, man, was I, you know, I thank God every day that I was born and raised there. Um, moved to Queens when I was eleven years old and uh, got involved in the music department at August Martin High School in Queens. Uh, actually, went there to become a pilot of all things because it was either go to Aviation High School in Long Island City or go to August Martin, which was closer to my home. Well, that ended up being a divine hand because they had such a strong music department that it led me to doing things like Jazzmobile and uh, get to study with Jimmy Heath, the legendary Mr. Jimmy Heath, Ernie Wilkins, Frank Foster, uh, Frank West. And then, um, and just being part of the New York City music scene. I mean, it was always one thing after another in my case, you know? So uh, 
you know, August Martin, I loved them. They, they gave me, they gave me the life that I have today, if you will. And I'll tell you one real brief story. I went there to become a pilot. I said, but, um, you know, I remember taking my first tenor saxophone solo at the age of 14, 15, the age of 15, took my first tenor sax solo in, uh, in front of the school playing with the jazz band. And after that, all the girls knew my name. So for me, it was a quick career change. You know, yeah. <laughs> true story. <laughs> hey, that's a beautiful thing, brother. I'm telling you. How women in your life, I tell you, boy. Yeah. It changed well, the world, man. You know, it, it, I'm the whole you. life direction, boy, I tell you. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I have a similar story, if, if I may, before we get to uh, Allison. Uh, you know, I, I went to Catholic school and uh, in Chicago, St. Agatha's, and they were grooming me to to be a priest. And um, so this nun came around the corner one day and she caught me cuddled up with, uh, you know, a young lady in my uh, uh, class. And, and, and the nun said, uh, and she called me by my first name, which I'm not going to tell you right now. But sure. she, she, she said, now, don't you let them make you anything you really don't want to be. Right. And, and, and I had realized, I said, well, you know, I kind of like this with this young lady. <laughs> so, I, I, so it changed the course of my life. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, Allison, all right, you, we're, we're on the Wayback Machine. What was it like growing up as little Allison? Uh, that was, it was interesting. Um, I was born and raised in Harlem. And um, music was in my family. My dad was a jazz trumpet player. His name was Bobby Booker, and he had a 21-piece swing band that was the premier society band from of Harlem in the tri-state area for many, many years, over 25 years. So I came up differently, uh, at least from my view, than a lot of my other friends or you know uh, peers that came into the business because they all came up, came out of the church, and I didn't. I too went to Catholic school. Uh, for a long time. <laughs> I was in Catholic school from first grade to the time I left college. It was like, are you serious? <laughs> they had me down, but it was great. You know, it was, it was good. And, um, you know, I, I, I got my musical, uh, my, my feet wet with my dad's band. And then I was able to kind of develop into uh, or find the R&B roots and what have you like that. And then find gospel roots and then find everything else. So, um, you know, it was an eclectic bag. Um, but before I sang, I was trying to find out what, you know, what do you want to do? And um, at first I wanted to be a gymnast, but I kept growing and they don't have any five, nine gymnasts. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, I want to, I want to, well, maybe I can figure skate. I want to do something. I've always had this feeling I wanted to fly because I wanted to escape my surroundings. I lived in Harlem and I was bullied and really not well received by the other people, my other peers at that time in my neighborhood. So I was trying to get away from it. Um, I realized I was black and I don't like the cold, so I couldn't figure skate, but I did learn how to, right? They had 110th street in Central Park, you know, um, but then I, and, and then I said, well, um, you know, I'll dance. And so they, they nurtured the dancing. And I went to Dance Theater of Harlem. As a matter of fact, I was with Arthur Mitchell before he had the brick and mortar school up on 152nd Street. When he was still in the basement at the Church of the Masters, I was one of his young students and then went on to become a scholarship student and go into junior company and so on and so forth. And dance with, dance alongside many other companies, um, but that was what I thought I wanted to do, sing, dance, and act. The few people that looked like me, uh, that's what they did. 
your Lena Horns, your your Pearl Bellies, your uh, uh, Lola Falanas, your Sammy Davis Juniors, they sang, danced, and acted. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do musicals. I didn't even know they weren't making musicals anymore. And if they were, I wasn't going to be the complexion that was going to make the connection. So it was it was interesting, but um, I got to do that. And, and, it, and it was really a, a thing that well, it rounded me out. So I would spend days uh, up at Dance Theater of Harlem, and then at night, Curtis Blow would take me to the fever. And that's where I met, <laughs> you know, African Barbada and Cool Herc and KRS-One and all of these different ones and kind of got into the hip-hop scene by default. You know, just, I was a singer and I'm trying to figure things out. He was a rapper, didn't realize he had an adult following. And I was like, you need to come to the cellar. Mm. <laughs> you need to discover Sweetwater. There's grown people down there liking you. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so we started kind of working in tandem and he introduced me to Russell and there were a lot of uh, sessions in between. I think uh, what, what my point was in my acceptance speech the other night was to let people know where, you know, where it all started and what the journey's been and how I, I kind of feel like the Forrest Gump of what I do because I've been in so many different rooms uh, simultaneously. Um, and now I'm getting back to, you know, and like, I guess just before COVID hit, I was recording a, a, a jazz album. And I hope to get it finished uh, with some really tr nice traditional things and orchestral things. Um, and then COVID came and then my own bout with COVID came. And then when I came out of that, here came Najee. He was ready to release Savoir Faire. And then he says, well, you need to, you know, be a part of this, um, you know, come out on the road. The song seemed to be taking on a life of its own, along with the other one. If you haven't heard the CDs, uh, uh, the CDG, I really implore you, I behoove you to pick up Savoir Faire and all the listeners and viewers. It is really, and I'm not saying because I'm on it. I'm saying it because it's really a solid project. Mm, it's okay. really, really incredible. So that, that just is a little, you know, synopsis of how I got to come out on the road. I can't imagine anyone more generous. Uh, he had a tour already in place and he said, I'm going to, uh, I hope that you can do half my tour because that's what it was. He had about 14 dates and he gave me seven of them. I'm like, are you serious? Who does that? He does. Well, Najee, <laughs> uh -huh. of all the wonderful singers in the world, how is it that you selected this wonderful singer to be a part of your tour. Well, you know, um, and I say this, I don't want to embarrass her, but I always tell her this. I, I said this the other night, but I think she's one of the most underutilized uh, vocalists. And when I say vocalist, I mean legendary. You know, she can go across all the platforms. You know, you put Brazilian music in front of her, she can do that. You know, you put straight ahead, what we call straight ahead music in front of her, she can do that. And she does R&B amazingly. If you want to sing gospel, she can go there, you know. And uh, <laughs> I mean, and there are obviously a lot of great vocalists out of New York. But she, for some reason, she carves out a different thing that's different from many, many other people. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of her experience. You know, mm. she just brings a certain character on stage, a certain... Uh, you can close your ears, Allison. I'm not trying to, <laughs> but uh, no, it just brings a certain uh, legacy, I'll say. You know, when I think of people like Sarah Bond, when I think of, uh, you know, uh, Ella, you know, and all those great vocalists, they had their own lane, you know, when you listen to them. And she's one of those, you know, she's one of those that should be, you know, legendary in that sense, remembered that way, you know, Lady Day or anybody like that to me. So. Well, that 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 I, is I'm a fortunate uh, one to be honest with you. You know, so. 
<laughs> well, you know, we've heard uh, Allison with uh, hip hop and oh. and and uh, R and B and 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 uh, jazz. Uh, Allison, what do you? What type of singer do you consider yourself to be? What genre is your bailiwick? Um, you know, I finally figured out uh, in the last couple of years. I started using the term multi-genre. I'm a multi-genre singer because that's what I wanted people to understand. But my favorite music is jazz. I mean, I, I just, and and I guess if I have to say R and B, the, the thing is the music that I came up with, the the, the soul music, R and B. Like I love a good Aretha Franklin. I love Shaka Khan. I love what I came up on. So that that's the uh, there's a specific R and B that I like. The Motown. I, there's a certain R and B that I did. But in terms of singing, I think um, jazz. And, and the various genres that make up, you know, the various platforms of jazz are where I think I shine. You, uh, you know, back, back in the day, I mean, you were singing background for uh, Melba Moore and uh, BB&Q Band and Cashflow, Unlimited Touch, uh, mm -hmm. Bobby Brown. Uh, did you ever think that you would be a lead solo singer that you that that you'd be out on your own or were you like so many great singers who 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 never get beyond the the, the background uh positioning i knew immediately i knew all the time i wanted to be a lead singer it was just i was doing the background so i could get in the door <laughs> i knew i knew all the time i wanted to be out front i knew i wanted to have <laughs> several dancers feathers pyrotech a rain curtain I'm dropping the ceiling. I wanted it all. And I'm still working on getting up my own production just like that. I wanted percussion. I wanted horn section. I wanted all of it. You know, I wanted all of that. And, and, and the, but the great thing was the people I worked with because like my first singing situations were the rap thing. You know what I'm saying? When rap was rap, before we had the word hip hop, we had rap. And I was able to infiltrate that in such a way that the people who were producing rap music well, first of all, everyone knows Audrey Wheeler. And Audrey Wheeler is yes. a wonderful uh, background vocalist, as well as she came out of Unlimited Touch. She now has been with Shaka Khan for over 15 years or something like that. Uh, was with Freddie for many years. And I mean, a distinctive studio vocalist and live background vocalist. And we, I've always been this thing where we can make something happen of it. So we put together, or I put together, she, she always tells me, Allison, you did that. We had uh, Allison Williams and Audrey Wheeler was AW Square. That was our company. And when they saw that they could bring us in the studio, we'd look at the music uh, or listen, look at the lyrics, listen to the track and be out of there in an hour, hour and a half. They were like, oh, well, this is because the rappers were bringing their girlfriends or these little girls from around the way and promised them they were going to make them a star. And they couldn't <laughs> sing their way out of a paper bag that was open. So they come in, they order food, they smoke a joint and nothing would get done. And this is money. This is money. And they didn't know that, you know, they just were doing their rap thing. So when the producers and the managers found out that Audrey and I could make it happen, then that was that. So then I started contracting sessions and I would get Lisa Fisher and I would get Jocelyn Brown and I would get you mm. know, Fonda Ray. And I would get all, mm. all my girlfriends to come and sing and we'd go in and hit it. But mostly it was me and Audrey, Audrey and I, Audrey and I, yeah. And so <laughs> I always knew that I wanted to do other things, but then, I got this opportunity to audition for uh, High Fashion, which is the group mm -hmm. that, because um, she produced some of it, what have you. And uh, of course, we had sister groups like BB&Q and Change with Luther at that time. Right. So I got a chance to sing, uh, to, to get uh, hired for that gig. And the day I got hired, because she says to me, would you like to come over to the studio and do some background for Melba Moore? 
And I said, oh, that'll be great. I remember Media Sound Studio. I don't know if anybody knows Media Sound, but Media was a big studio in New York, right? And I was very cool and collective. And I went in the bathroom and I hollered so hard. (laughs) 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 This is my first real singer that I'm going to sing. I've seen her in Pearly. I've seen her in Timbuktu. She's a legend. It's Melba. <laughs> it was done. It was done. So I got to sing and, and do a lot of stuff with Kashif. Uh, that led to uh, Evelyn Champagne King and singing on her hits. And sing. so I'm constantly listening to the, to the radio and hearing myself on, you know, classic R&B tracks and what have you. But I knew all along that this had to be a, a track to Allison. I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to be an Allison. That's who I wanted to be. I'm, I'm just wanted to be Allison. And um, luckily I got that chance and I'm still on that journey. So Fantastic. Uh, and Najee, so when we first met, your first album, I think it was called Najee. Uh, Najee's Theme, yeah. Najee's yeah, theme. theme. And how have you evolved since then? Oh, well, I, I like to think that I've gotten better at what I do. You know, <laughs> I just got in the game. You know, I had a lot of experience being as a, like Allison, you know, being in New York, I had the opportunity to do a lot of sessions back in the uh, 80s, early 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. And, um, you know, played with some of the same people she mentioned, BB and Q band, you know, change. I did uh, as a keyboard player, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. but and then, of course, toured with Shaka in 83. But uh, when it came time to become a solo artist, I had no clue how to do that. I mean, I led. led small units in Boston and little groups and things like that with under my name. But to actually be a solo artist was, was a learning curve for me. And since that time, I think I've learned a lot through working with other people and just being on the road for so many years. I mean, COVID was really the first time in like 35 years I had not been on the road. You know, I've been on the road for like 35 years nonstop pretty much, you know, so. Wow. Well, I tell you what, let's take a short break. And we'll be back to uh, speak with uh, the uh, wonderful and talented Allison Williams and Mr. Well, Mr. Saxophone, uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Saxophone Najee and just a few short shakes. So don't go away. This is What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out. Check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America. Where Coca Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. 
You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Well, thank you so very, very much for uh, sticking with us. We've got Najee and Allison Williams here. And uh, I had just asked Najee before the break uh, how had uh, or how has he evolved and of course he says well i think i've gotten better but uh has has the sound changed any or has it remained the same or have you experimented with uh some some things oh yeah uh you know i i get bored very easily with music you know so over the years i've had the pleasure of just working with artists i've never imagined i would ever work with i mean touring with prince uh, recording with him, that was an amazing experience that I take with, took with me after I left the band. Um, you know, touring with people like Al Jarreau, uh, doing records with Stanley Clark, Billy Cobb, wow. like, I don't mean to drop a lot of names, but... No, but go right ahead. Well, touring, you know, playing with Herbie, uh, George Duke. I mean, you know, he producing a couple of my albums and, uh, and he and I touring together over the years and working with so many other people, you know. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. After a while, you look back and you're like, man, I did all this. You know, I don't even know this guy, you know, because <laughs> you know, as a kid coming up in New York, I mean, I came from humble beginnings. You know, I often meet people and they think I come from some rich elite background. They are like, nah, man, I grew up in the ghetto of Queens, South Jamaica, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's where I'm from. And I've just been blessed to do a lot in this business for whatever reasons, you know, and um, I'm just grateful, you know, so every every situation you get into, obviously, you take a piece of that with you and it helps, mm-hmm. you know, so. Well, um, I'm going to surprise you right now. And Allison already pulled my coat. So I'm just going to say happy birthday to uh, you. Happy you. birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Hey, man, you want us to fly you out to Detroit tomorrow? Come out and do the hit with us, man. You sound like you got a birthday, my friend. But thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, t- today is actually today is actually your birthday, right? Yes, it is. Yes, fantastic. Okay, beautiful. So, um, Allison, you did a wonderful medley uh, the other night when you uh, received the award. And one of the things I didn't know it, it, in that medley was something about, uh, and, and it was a oh gee. Uh, the basketball. Uh huh. You 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 did the hook on that song. I just I was surprised. All those songs that in that medley. Yes, I've I've done a wow. lot on what would be uh, the the foundation laying you know rap music that brought it to you know to where it's where it is now. So songs like basketball, if I rule the world. Well, Curtis was the, well is the king of rap, and at that time standing high on his platform, uh, obviously producing people. And and so I became his hook girl. Like I said, I was the one that they brought into the studio and to contract the other singers so that they could get this done and, and make and make music and not make a mess. And um, so that's how I got to do, you know, really great uh, tracks like that. 
Audrey's on that one with me too. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so for our audience, can you give me three hooks? Three hooks. We're yeah. playing basketball. We're playing basketball. We love that basketball. And uh, if I rule the world, I love all the girls. Mind you, Lauren Hill was probably 10 years old when that came out. And then, <laughs> and then what's another one? Oh, uh, fat boys. And fat boys are back. And, you know, they can never be whack. The fat boys are back. Do you like the fat boys? You know, so stuff like that. And yeah, I was I, arranging I, at that time. I was arranging and co, you know, co-arranging and contracting. So it was a good time. It was really good. I never knew that that was you on all those uh, wonderful uh, hooks. Never mm -hmm. knew that. Wow. So, all right. Now, you guys are touring. You're going to be in Detroit. You just mentioned uh, when? Uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow night. And what what the theater or uh, the Fisher Theater? Venue? The Fisher, Fisher Theater. theater. Uh huh. Okay, and then so how much longer on the tour? You might as well g give out some of the cities so that folks listening will know that you're coming to their town. Their uh, area. We'll, we'll be at the Jazz Legacy Foundation uh, Jazz Festival on the 10th, and then the 11th and 12th, we're at the Middle Sea in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I think after that, I want to say we have Kansas City, and uh, I think it was Kansas City, and there's somewhere else I can't remember at the time right now. And the Jazz Legacy Festival is in Hampton, Virginia. Hampton, Virginia, yeah. So Hampton Roads area, come on out, you know. It'll be wonderful. Great. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, during COVID, of course, it's not really over yet, but but during the height of the pandemic, uh, we all got some really sad news that uh, Allison was uh, not doing too well. Allison, would, would you like to, to talk about that for uh, a little bit? Oh, uh, yeah, I got I got a, I got caught up in COVID. Um, and it's so funny to me because it took two years for that. But I was good. You know, I was wrapped in bubble wrap and gloves and <laughs> Like people walk up on me and I go, "How you doing?" I saw you have to walk through a clown to get to me. I'm sorry, and I really was careful, but um, I got ill. I know where I got ill. I know when I got ill. But it came to find out that um, you know, I don't think people realize how COVID really affected the way we were able to even move around. Um, I'm a type two diabetic. And um, I try to be an advocate for my diabetic community uh, in not just managing diabetes, but trying to eradicate it. Because I think anything you can manage, you can get rid of it. And I've been on a track that proves that. So, you know, I try to promote mm -hmm. that. But at any rate, I wasn't able to get the medical care that a diabetic needs. You have to draw blood. You have to touch a diabetic. You can't just meta, you know, video Tele telemed them, you know, and every time I'd go to, the, oh, we can't come in because the numbers keep fluctuating. So my diabetes is becoming unmanaged. And that is really uh, one of the things work, uh, along with COVID that took me down uh, was uh, diabetic ketoacidosis. And the doctors were very concerned. They said, she's been, and she's been vaccinated. We can get her through COVID, but this keto will, you know, this ketoacidosis will take away. And so they felt it was best to put me on a ventilator. And they, while they were trying to figure all that, I fell into a coma. And um, so I stayed that way for six days and um, they were able to bring me back. And um, 
they were having oh a little God. trouble, and that was the problem. Um, uh, ever since I was a kid, the only other time I'd been in the hospital was to have my tonsils out. And the doctor told my mother and myself, she said, he said anytime she goes in for anything from now until she's a grown woman, always tell the doctors that you have a problem with coming out of anesthesia. It's not that you can't have it, but you don't come out well. And once you say those words, they will know what to do. I never got to say that to the doctors when I went to the hospital because I passed out in the ambulance and I never wow. I, I gained consciousness in the in triage. And then I, but I never got to say two things that I always say. I don't come out of anesthesia well, so do whatever it is you do for people who have that condition and don't mess with my throat. I don't want a trach. I don't want you to do anything to my throat because this is how I live. But luckily, they didn't have to. They, they obviously there were tubes in there, but nothing. They didn't cut anything. But I never had a chance to tell them that. So um, at any rate, when they couldn't get me to come and rally, that's when they thought that they would lose me, and they didn't know, you know, you know how I was going to turn out. And Valerie Simpson, who is my angel, a true life angel, um, and just a, 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 such a strong force in my life. Uh, she talked to the people at the hospital because she was obviously involved in knowing what was going on from day to day. And she told them, play her music in her ear. And they didn't know what they what she meant by that because they didn't know who I was or what, you know, I was just right. Allison Williams in the hospital. Um, and uh, so they, they got mad at the nurse because the first day they told them that the head of ICU to download just called my name and her phone died. So she's like, well, I didn't get to do it. And they're like, are you kidding? They're like, you got to do it. You so they, they did it. And I can tell you of all the things I remember, which is quite a bit, and I'm writing, um, I'm really working on writing, writing it um, for a stage production. Um, I remember her holding her phone to my ear and saying, Miss Williams, do you know who this is? Do you know who this is singing these words? And I felt, well, obviously I didn't, that I looked at her and said, hell yeah, I know who it is. Do you know who it is? <laughs> and you won't hold anybody and tell them I'm in here? Come on. I, was, I really felt that kind of, but I know, I, I, I know that probably what I did was this, but I opened my eyes. And that's the point. I opened my eyes and came back to myself. And from there, I was there in there another 10 days. And then came your, your friends and family and social media, we were all praying for you. I mean, people were, you know, texting stuff. And, and uh, uh, it was just, we thought we were going to lose you because you were on the ventilator. Because so many people prior to that, prior to you, uh, had it gotten on the ventilator. And they don't come off, you know? Yeah, so. I know. And, you know, it's funny. The, the thing about it is, is that you don't know when you go into a coma, you don't know what happens until you come out and people tell you uh, what happened or what transpired. Or when you have very little memory of, I remember being sick and going under. I remember, be, you know, going to sleep. That's, mm -hmm. that's what mm -hmm. I remember. And I remember coming out of sleep. And then everything else was clearly I, I had to take some time to figure out what was the good hallucinogenics or whatever they have. <laughs> it was it was interesting. But um, people showed me videos that they had made and prayer lines they had put together. And 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 people like your show had podcasts had dedicated their whole podcast to me. And people were calling in and 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 they, you know, they did go fund me and they did a lot of things. And it was just amazing how the community came together. There were people overseas praying for me that I had never met, but they knew the music. And someone told them, can you, or they saw it on, on social media, pray for Alice Williams. And they did. Some people prayed quietly some people prayed loud some people yelled and screamed some people cussed they did they just told me they were like and, I, and sometimes they were cussing at god and sometimes they were cussing at me get yeah. up allison wait get, get 
and I, they were just, they were like, no, this is not how we're not, we're going to start 2022. You can do a lot of stuff, but you can't have her right now. And that was the attitude. And um, it just, it was humbling, you know, and, and, and it overwhelmed me because Dickie, we lost a lot of people uh, during COVID. Yes, we, uh, we lost a lot of people just before COVID came in. And looking back in retrospect, I imagine that the, it, it was part of that, but we just didn't know because it kept us in the yeah, dark. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, we were grieving and then having to keep it moving because there was so little movement we could have. We couldn't have a funeral. We couldn't have a memorial. We couldn't get people from the morgue. There were things going on and we just were making it happen. And I always felt like, you know, I know my day. One thing I know for sure is my day is coming. We all, you know, nobody gets out of this alive. So, but, you know, you, 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 you figure, you know, you, you do what you can and you grieve and you mourn your way and you keep it moving. What I think I always have felt that people like me. I think that people love me. I know that people love me because I always try to. I love you. I, I love, love you too. <laughs> I love you both. But, but when you, you know, you try to be a vessel for love and that's great. But what I didn't realize until I found out once, you know, on the, on the comeback was my leaving would have impacted people. I didn't know I mattered like yeah, that. You, you, you know what I mean? I knew, you know, I just didn't know. I didn't know to what extent. I didn't know to what extent. And well, so that's the thing that makes you just, and then you just feel so blessed to have overcome it and to come back fully. I had to learn how to wiggle my fingers and toes again. I had to learn how to speak again. I had to learn how to walk without going off to the side again. <laughs> it was like, there were a lot of things that you know were comical because we take so many things in this incredible design called the human body for granted. True. But you know, I <laughs> we were in the truck one day and I was telling Najee about the different things I couldn't do. And I, I ran my my tongue across my lip. I said, Najee, I couldn't even run my and he said, You can't do that no more. So I said, like, You can't just run your tongue across your lip. I said, Oh, that's That is true. I remember that. I was like, please don't do that anymore. You know, you got me together real fast. I was like, I've been doing it for months. Showing people what I could do. I didn't know I'm setting things off. But at any rate, um, yeah, I, I really, to have been, it's not just that, you know, I got well. I know people, um, I think even, uh, well, Sister Angela Bofield, I think she had a stroke. Yeah. yeah. Her recovery has been long and not complete to what we know her to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There are people who come through illnesses and, and you know, maybe they, even things that, 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 that we come through, like our knees go up, you know, doing what they do now and our hips are doing what they do. And then you end up with a cane or something like that, or just not fully to be fully back. I had a well, challenge in my mouth that when I spoke and, and if, it, if it had not been for my, um, if it had not been for my experience on, on the microphone, on the radio and knowing how to enunciate and, you know, the theater background and stuff, people would might, might detect little things. My D's and my T's were all muddled. And I was talking to sometimes I'd say water and butter and butter. And it was like, I was, I was like a puddle and I couldn't stand it. So people would say, how are you doing? And I wouldn't say better because better didn't sound better. Like, <laughs> so I would say I'm having marked improvement every day. And the, uh, the, 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 Speech therapist there came to me and she said, I want you to say buttercup, buttercup. And I'd go buttercup, buttercup. She says, and I said, well, I can say buttercup, but who says buttercup? We don't talk like that. And so she said, just say it every day. Don't do the tongue twisters. Do all the things you can do and don't stop talking. You'll be fine. And meanwhile, this woman doesn't know me for canopy. And I said, you know, but I'm just frustrated. She said, well, Miss Williams, you're going to be frustrated. I said, no, you don't understand. 
I can't say buttercup, but I can go, sweet, wait a minute, wait, wait. What are you saying? I said, I'm a singer by trade. I said, and certain skill sets, I, uh, thank God, have not gone away. But I can't say buttercup and I can scat. Are you serious? The lady's eyebrows went into a, her headline, I swear. She was just like, she said, I'm going to keep coming back and messing and messing with you because I got to get you back to where you need to be. And I gave her some of my music and what have you. And she, you know, we, we actually bonded and, and formed a friendship. But um, all of those little things and just I think it was in August, September, in August, no, July or August. I was walking through the house, just minding my business, and something said I, something about water. And I listened to my voice, and I had said water, water, like like you said, like I'm saying it now. I didn't say water, and I said water, and I said butter. I said better, better, water, <laughs> butter, better, water, better. water, water. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, anybody can see me right now, but it came back eventually you know through working mm -hmm. that came back the one thing i remember distinctly though is when i sang when i finally decided to sing again and found that i had you know some volume and could sing i never questioned whether i could i never was nervous about it god never put that in my heart i was good but when i sang i had no 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 challenges there were no words that i couldn't sing there was no articulation that was too challenging so i don't know what that's about but i thank god for it Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, okay, we, we've got one minute before break, and I just want to, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Najee about the very uh, beautiful album, the new album, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, the song Valentine Love yes. and much more. So don't go away. Stick with us. We're here at Harlem America. And uh, you can go on harlemamerica.com and see some of our uh, TV shows as well as uh, listen to some of the other podcasts that we have there as well. So I'm G. Keith Alexander. Thank you so very, very much for being with us right now on What's Hot Harlem America. you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Harlem America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. 
We're back and uh, we've got uh, Allison Williams and Najee, if you just joined us. Uh, Najee, let's talk about this wonderful album called, wait a minute, wait a minute, Savoir Faire. Savoir Faire. Yes. And Savoir Faire for the... uh, those of us who are not uh, uh, fluent in French would be what? Well, it's uh, in French it means to do, but in in uh, English it also means to do things according to the best of the cultural norms. So, you know, that would involve etiquette and all that good stuff. But uh, I, I have to say that the album it was a great joy to do. It was a COVID record, as you probably can imagine. Uh, <laughs> you're home and you're thinking of all the things you want to do, and this particular song that Allison and I did. Um, was tailor-made for her, honestly. Chris Big Dog Davis, who was one of the producers on there, um, came up with the arrangement, and I said, man, this is perfect for her if she's interested in doing it. It's perfect. And fortunately, we got her, and, you know, it's been doing very well for us, you know, so far. Yeah. I had the pleasure of doing some of the record in Brazil. Two songs were done down in Rio. Um, uh, one was a, a, a classic song by Antonio Carlos Jobim, so... I've been spending a little time down there and and uh, getting ready to do some other things with them down there as well. So, so uh, you know, you, you've been in the game for almost four decades, yes. and this is your what eighth, ninth album? By nineteenth, nineteenth. Excuse yeah, me, not including uh, collaborative records I've done with other people. You know, but um, yeah, for a solo artist, about nineteen, I think eighteen or nineteen, something like that. So, you know that. My old label, Capital uh, EMI Records, you know, they, mm-hmm. they now remakes of stuff, you know, as always new stuff, but it's not, you know. <laughs> do you write your own, own, own music? I do. I do write a lot of my stuff. Um, but in this stage of my career, I really do enjoy collaborations. You know, we worked on uh, my last three albums. I had the pleasure of working with the legendary producer, Mr. Barry Eastman. Mm, um, yes, Barry. Uh, Aaron Ron, Chris Big Dog Davis, DeMonte Posey, and a few others. And that's, you know, I enjoy that because then I'm, you know, when I'm home, I'm just home. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have a studio trying to figure a whole bunch of stuff out, you know, so I enjoy that. So the, um, just for the audience, because some of the audience may not be as familiar with you, but, uh, you know, you, you've worked with uh, Prince, Quincy Jones, Stevie Wonder, Shaka Khan, Herbie Hancock. Uh, going on the road with, did you go on the road with Prince or you just did studio? Yeah, I took Prince uh, from 1999, beginning in 2000, 2000 to 2003, when I finally had to go to him and tell him. Uh, at that point, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, recorded an album in five years. And I finally, uh, you know, we started a thing with, with, uh, the label at that time and I told him listen I'm sorry but I have to leave you know but he was gracious to work with I loved working with him can you give us a little uh, anecdote uh, something oh, inside uh, of the Prince well yes. first of all I will say Prince number one was one of the smartest people I ever met in this world very smart and one of the most generous people I've ever met you know not only with his stage but you know, there are a lot of things that you won't hear. When the day he died, I'll never forget, I got off the plane because I saw it on CNN on the airplane that he had passed. And as soon as I got off the plane, my mailbox was full. And the first thing, you know, people want to do interviews, particularly over in the overseas. And the first thing I would say, if you want bad stories, I have I have none. You know, there was mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. around, he become a drug addict. Listen, I was around the guy a lot. And when he mm-hmm. hosted things, he might have wine for his guests, but I never even seen him drink wine. You know, so the person that was trying to make him, I never saw that, you know, and uh, we got along very well. You know, he was one of, I've watched him 
be generous to people. He's very kind to children. Very mm-hmm. kind. One time in San Francisco, my son Noah was there at a sound check. And <laughs> Noah and him got to connecting. And we're sitting on stage. We're standing on stage trying to do a sound check. And Noah starts talking to him. He just stopped the sound check to talk to him. And I, really? I checked my son. And I was like, Noah, you need to. And Prince turned around and he said, no, no, no. He checked me. He was like, no, no, leave him alone. He's, you know. And so we sat there for like 15 minutes while he and my son are getting on whatever they're talking about, you know, guitars, all that stuff. Really? Yeah, he was. You know, so. Wow. So, uh, all right. So now, what do you see for Najee? Uh, other than waking up tomorrow morning, I don't know. <laughs> I that's trouble, you know? I'm not. I'm not the kind of guy that tries to plan 10 years out. I plan whatever the next project is. I, you know, stay involved with what I'm doing at the moment. Um, Of course, the industry is changing. The metrics now, things are different from when I came up. You remember Billboard was the the, the monitor to tell how much you were doing, how many records you were selling. And, you know, now these these days, things are quite different, you know. So you figure out how to navigate through the new metrics, if you will. And that's what I'm how do you find out uh, uh, how many albums have been sold? Uh, you know, how, since things have changed now, mm-hmm. what was the, you know, how do you do it? Well, there's, there's several ways. There's BDS and things like that. Uh, but mainly streaming. You know, streaming is where everything is now. You know, my but, it's own- not, but, but it's not profitable, though, streaming. Uh, it hasn't been so far. I got to be honest. I mean, as an artist, I thought, okay, I, I can't complain. But, you know, uh, honestly, it is much, much, much harder to really generate commerce the same way. You know, if you're not like at the levels of uh, Jay-Z or Beyonce or those kind of things, you know, it's it's a lot harder, you know, and everything is metrics now, you know, uh, the higher your Facebook following or your your social media following, obviously, the better you're doing. You know, I always am grateful for the fact that I've built a legacy over 30 years that people, you know, as I as promoters say, he can still put asses in the seat, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) that's how they talk, you know, so yeah, yeah, Uh, I mean, that's their language, not mine. I got you. I got you. So uh, uh, let me ask uh, Allison. um, Do you have any regrets? Uh, Did you did you give up anything? along the way to become the Allison Williams that you are now? If I did, I didn't give enough. Because <laughs> 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 I'm not where I'm trying to go yet. Oh, well, Allison, it depends on who you gave it to, baby. Allison, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I need to go back and check myself. <laughs> that was a loaded question, G. Keith. I'm sorry. You know, you can't do that to me. I'm not safe like that. <laughs> Put it out there, I'm going to say it. Um, I don't have any regrets. Um, I, I wish I had uh, at maybe certain junctures um, paid attention. But the thing is, is that when you're young and you're in your 20s or whatever the case may be, you're doing the thing that you dream of doing. You might not, you know, you, you might hear it. You might listen, but you don't hear. Do you know what I'm saying? No, so I Oh, and then there are a lot of things in the in the male dominant industry that I came through. Um, there were a lot of uh, opportunities uh, or times where I wanted to speak and I was holding the mic, but the mic was on mute. You know what I'm saying? They weren't trying to hear what I was trying to say, you know, 
So, or they weren't trying to, oh, you sing, just sing pretty, just do this, just don't have an idea, don't have a concept. Um, and there were places I was able to in, in, in be impactful and, in, and you know, interject what I thought needed to happen. And there were times when I was able to stand up for myself and say, no, this is not right. Or, you know, we need to do this differently. And then there were times when I, when I wasn't. So I think I had to go through those times so that now I know, you know, that no is a sentence, but they, there's not a lot of people who can say it to me. Because I know what can and cannot be done. And I know it from the, from the back side of it. Um, before I had an opportunity to sing on stage, I had to build sets because they weren't casting mm. me in whatever was going on at the school. Or, right. um, and I, but I was working at night. I was at a club somewhere. But in the schools, in, in, the, in the educational system, they were trying to deal with all the juniors and the seniors who had to get their credit. So I was building costumes, I was building sets, I was learning how to be an usher, I was learning how to, um, what tickets, are, do all of that behind the scenes stuff. So if I go somewhere and somebody tells me I can't have a quick change on the side of the stage, I tell them, okay, I'll tell you what, give me some leg and get me some pipe and I'll, and I'll build it myself. Really? You know, so, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it laid a platform, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't regret that I went out and was a road manager for my label mate, Orange Jones. I had to do that so I would know the business end of it and how, how it really runs out there, you know, and, and, I, and that was a position I put myself in. Well, while you wait, be doing something, you know, and that's, and that's how that came to be. So I don't have any regrets. Like I said, I wish I could have um, listened or, or heard more um, uh, messages. But other than that, I'm good because I'm still on the journey trying to get to where I'm going, sure. you know. And Najee, how about you? Have you uh, any regrets? Have you given up uh, anything along the way to become the uh, world-class saxophonist that you are? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say I have any regrets at all. I, uh, you know, because when you're going through things, you know, you might say, well, man, I wish I wasn't going through this. But every experience, when I look in hindsight, you know, it might put me at the top of one level and prepare me for the, the bottom of the next, you know? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. everything in my life, I have to say, uh, has been an experience that's helped me to grow and get better and, you know, create commerce. And, you know, so I have no regrets in that sense at all. You know, um, of course, you know, in hindsight, there are some things you may say, well, I should have done it this way. I should have done it that way, blah, blah, blah. But no, I can't say I regret anything at all. You know, I'm grateful every day I wake up. You know, <laughs> praise God. I, I I I love the way you keep saying commerce. Commerce. Does that also mean that you're selling merchandise uh, on, on on the road? I I used to. I mean, I'm getting ready to start back up in 23. We do sell uh, CDs on the road right now. That's the only merchandise at the moment. But we're about to increase that next year. And uh, as you can see, the saxophone behind me. Oh, that yes. was actually a line of saxophones that I. Uh, with a company I started, which was uh, actually two African-American African brothers, mm -hmm. uh, a brother out of Detroit named Darren McKinney. He was manufacturing saxophones. Nobody I knew from our community was doing that. And he asked me to sign on. Really? And we uh, developed this company called Chase of Winds. And that saxophone, that beautiful horn you see behind me was one of them. Beautiful. Unfortunately, when COVID came, it became too expensive to do business because we couldn't get the product in where they were being manufactured in Asia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, and when you have clients who pay three, four thousand dollars for an instrument, they don't want, you know, they just want their horns, you know. So it became quite expensive for me to keep the company going and then just, you know, finally let the company go, you know. So I have two favorite musical instruments. Uh, one is the piano 
uh-huh. the other is a saxophone. The saxophone to me sort of cuts through everything. I mean, it sounds like uh, the person is actually speaking to you through the saxophone. Uh, and, you know, and, and listening to you all these years, you know, it's just wonderful to, 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 to hear your sound and uh, the way you do what you do. Right. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's amazing. So uh, we've got uh, maybe about three or four minutes left. Um, let's see. What else would I like to know? Um, is there anything that you guys would like to uh, talk about that perhaps you'd like for the audience to know? Well, we're trying to get uh, Allison's, uh, the song we've done together, hopefully nominated for a Grammy. So that's what we're trying to do, you know, R&B, uh, instrumental performance, that kind of thing. So we're working on that right now. I think that it hasn't closed out yet, I don't think. So I think so, the voting has. So, the voting has at this point. I think it was a week ago was, was okay. the last voting. Um, so. But, um, you know. Yeah, it's we, beyond our... We're going to believe. Choose, you know, so... You know, we're, we're going to believe that uh, you are going to get this Grammy. All right. So let's just leave today thinking touch that and, touch already and agree. Hey, that's right. <laughs> we're two or okay. more joined together and you know the rest. So there you <laughs> have. Um, and I think I think what the good thing is, um, Grammy or not, uh, I, I know that uh, Najee and I have talked about, you know, doing some more collaborations. Yeah. Uh, both live and studio, um, what have you. And whether he knows it or not, he's stuck with me. So you know, <laughs> I've got this talker singer thing going on, you know. <laughs> he can call me or not, I'm going to show up. It is. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we have those things to look forward to. And um, um, I'm excited about it. I, I really am. I really am. So you, you, you heard that, Najee, just call her name. That's okay. it. And I'll come right. There you sure. go. That's it. Which is a which is a cult song, by the way. It has become yes. a cult. It is. And people people are still playing it, and it's 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 wonderful. Boy, I tell you, th- this has been great to have both of you uh, on together here. And uh, you know, I, I I see Allison every once in a while, and uh, it, we've even had some telephone conversations uh, uh, together. Are are you in New York today, or are you? Back home. Who, me? No, Allison. Oh, Allison. Oh, no, I'm home. Are you home? I'm home. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, all right. Well, then, uh, huh, let's see. We've got about uh, 30 seconds. So let's see. What do I want to say in 30 seconds? I know. Ladies and gentlemen, go out and get Savoir Faire. Savoir Faire. That's it. <laughs> go out and get that. Everywhere. That's right. Go out and get it, uh, and uh, and check out the uh, Valentine Love uh, that uh, Allison is uh, wonderful on it as usual. And uh, thank you all for being with us today. Uh, we'll be back next Friday. And Allison and Najee, thank you so very very much. Uh, Najee, for having us. Thank you, My Mark. pleasure. Najee, let's not make it another 40 years, okay? Please not, no. no. <laughs> oh, I couldn't get to you the other night, but I'm glad to, glad to see you again. It's great to see you, too. Yeah. And listen, oh, gee, that's your name. When we figure out our collaborations, whatever comes of that, we will come back again. Yes, we yes, will. Yes, that's correct. You're always welcome. Thank okay? you. Okay? 
So, all right, well, guys, have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And uh, don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walk a mile in his or her shoes. And remember, life is tough, but you're tougher. I'm G. Keith, and thank you so much. See you next week. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.